It's just after I see a movie, I like to go get a piece of pie and talk about it. It's sort of a little tradition I have. Do you like to get pie after you see a good movie? I'm Brian. Hey, I'm James. I'm Kyle. And welcome to A Piece of Pie. It's a movie podcast with a queer perspective. Every week, we're going to tackle a movie, sometimes new, sometimes old, sometimes both. Uh, we're just going to watch the movie and talk about it. The title, A Piece of Pie, comes from a Quentin Tarantino movie. It's a true romance starring Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette. In the movie, Patricia Arquette and Christian Slater meet at a movie theater. After the movie, Patricia Arquette asks him, Do you want to get a slice of pie? Every time I see a movie, I like to get a slice of pie and talk about it. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to see a movie. We're going to talk about it. We hope you like it. We hope you listen and subscribe. But most of all, we hope you enjoy it. Uh, for the first episode, I just wanted to kind of get together and talk about the Oscars. The Oscars were last night, uh, the 2018 90th Oscars. The Shape of Water was the best picture. It felt, the entire ceremony kind of felt to me like they were checking off boxes. I think it was the most disappointing Oscars I've ever watched. Not in terms of, like, not in terms of, like, being, not, like, disagreeing the most with it, just in terms of, this is, this was for me my favorite year of movies since I've started caring about movies. Mm -hmm. And just every Oscar went to the person you thought it was going to go to. Every single one. There wasn't one surprise the entire night. I'm not even asking for a surprise I'm happy about. It was just so unremarkable. Everything that happened was so unremarkable. I think that in the last few years, with the rise of social media and the rise of multiple award shows, by the time the Oscars are like the last one, so by the time you get to the Oscars, you've had... The Producers Guild, the Directors Guild, the Screen Actors Guild, you've had the Golden Globes. The Independent Spirit Awards. You've had the Independent Spirit Awards. You've had all of the major awards. So by the time... This has been true. I I agree with you, but I've also felt that the last few years where it's just like, I've just known every year going in who's going to win. Moonlight was a surprise. Moonlight was a surprise. Mark, Mark... It was a surprise surprise to everyone who was standing on that stage. Right, exactly. (laughs) Mark Rylance, I think, was a surprise when it happened. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Especially Um, Sylvester Stallone. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. If you can... That's great. I'm I'm glad he didn't win. Uh, Me too. He has an Oscar. It's fine. Um, Although last night... Yeah, last night was interesting. Um, I felt really vindicated... I literally jumped off of the couch with excitement that Roger Deakins finally yeah. won his it's, That's it's ridiculous. Scary. It's his first one. Yeah. 14 yeah. years. And, yeah. and that's like, what... Blade Runner was fucking gorgeous. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm glad he won it for that, but he yeah. should have won it for most of the films. That he Any Coen Brothers movie yeah. that he shot. Right. Yeah, Skyfall. Absolutely. Skyfall was stunning. Yeah. That's what I mean, though, when I say it felt like it was checking off boxes, because it was like, well, let's give Roger Deakins one. Mm-hmm. Let's give Allison Janney one. Mm-hmm. Let's give Gary Oldman one. Mm-hmm. I think all four acting awards were legacy awards. Even Sam Rockwell, because I know yeah. he's a young man, but if you pay attention to movies, you've known who he is, and then yeah. he's a good actor for 20 yeah. years. Yeah, he should have yeah. won that Oscar 10, 15 years ago, however long ago it was, for Matchstick Men, which was kind of the first movie that I saw where I was like, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. Or for his um, performance in Moon. Moon, Moon too, yeah. 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 Um, that well, was a great movie. And Brian, you and I talked about this before, too. You know, we were talking about him specifically. I mean, we went to go see Three Billboards together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, of all of the supporting performances this year, I don't think he even deserved a nomination. There were a lot of other better performances that were out there that didn't that get That got completely snubbed. Off the top of my head, Michael Stolbar yeah. and yes. or so. Army Hammer. And even Patrick Stewart. Patrick, Patrick Stewart and Logan was very, very good. Um, yeah. That Logan even got its writing nomination feels like adapted, yeah. yeah it was that kind of felt like a surprise i know early on early in the year i know there was a lot of kind of talk about it i also remember reading over the summer like when wonder woman was out people were like Will wonder woman be nominated for best picture and at the time i remember thinking like well if there's going to be a comic book movie for best picture it should be logan absolutely um, but i also think that you know, I mean, we're talking about checking off boxes. I'm, I was sort of surprised when the nominations came out mm-hmm. that Patty Jenkins didn't get a nomination. I thought, like, if anything about that movie was going to get a nomination, yeah. it would have gone to her for a lot of reasons, for, you know, the rise in the Me Too movement and all this talk, yeah. you know, that's happening. And I think we definitely saw some elements of that. I mean, just look at the performances mm-hmm. that happened at the Oscars. Um, a lot, you know, not that I'm saying that some of these people didn't deserve the Oscars that they got, but it, it felt like, you know, the Oscars is showing their commitment to diversity in a way that, you know, they've only talked about in the past. You know, they did this whole new initiative. I still don't think it 
went far enough. For it's all of that, not go far enough, but you know, um, yeah. for all of that, there were still an awful lot of old white guys on stage. Well, the academy is still overwhelmingly old white guys. Yeah, the fact that. Uh, I mean, Jordan Peele winning, I thought was fantastic. Um, a fantastic woman winning for Best yeah, Foreign and having yeah. Daniela Vega like yeah. on that stage yeah. was amazing. Like that made me choke up just seeing her up there and that they finally gave her a platform when you look just, what was it, two, three years ago, Tangerine. Yeah. And, you know, Maya, I'm blanking on her last name, you know, won the Independent Spirit Award. She was the first trans actress to win a major acting award. And, um... She didn't get nominated. The film, I don't even think the film got nominated so, for a no. single thing. Did get any nominations? Um, Tangerine, you mean? Yeah. yeah and a, Tangerine yeah. was an in- incredible film. And so yeah. much of that was about the fact that the two black trans actresses that led that film were able to rewrite a lot of their sections, to rework a lot of their sections. It was shot mostly like on the fly, like improv, right? Yeah. On an and, iPhone, I know that. Yeah, and Sean Baker specifically said, you know, when he found his his leads for this film... He was like, this is not my experience. This is your experience. Um, I want you to write this. This is real and honest to you. It's not for, like, a white man who is never who's not trans to, to be writing this. Yeah, um, I hadn't heard that, but that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, I have yet to see The Florida Project, which was his I haven't up. seen it either. And so well, none of us have seen Florida Project. <laughs> well, disclosure um, is another, I mean... He's I have, another under under rewarded actor. I have a feeling if I see that movie, I'm going to be mad that he didn't win. Yeah, yes. one of my one of my good friends like basically was like that should have been nominated over the post and or Darkest Hour. Oh, I, yeah. Sight unseen, I would believe that. Um, this was the first year for me in a long time, probably at least since they expanded the Best Picture categories, where I had seen every every movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was just fun, just to be able to do that and kind of have that opinion was fun for me. So I also kind of felt like with those nine movies, the nine movies that they nominated, The Shape of Water would have been like my fourth choice to win. I would say fifth. Fifth or sixth for me. Sixth, actually. I mean, if I, I'm sure if I like wrote them all down and like, yeah, I would, yeah. I Um, I liked it. It's a good movie. I I think it's going to be like, it's, you know, it's not going to go down in history as like a crash or a how the fuck did this win. But I think it's going to go in that category of, you know, like, Forrest Gump, American Beauty, like, yeah, this is a good movie, but there were a lot of better movies that year. Yeah, it was yeah. such a great year for movie, though, for movies that, that was what I was saying, I saw nine movies, there was five or six of them that if they had won, I would have been like, well, okay. Yeah, there were four. There was five, only two yeah. that I was actively like, I don't want this to win. Yeah, me too. Uh, three, excuse me, I had three, where I just didn't want them to win, and that was Three Billboards, yep. uh, Darkest Hour, yep. and The Post. Oh, yes, and three. Yeah. none of them even... I was about to say none of them were even that bad. The post is the closest to being bad. Um, I know Kyle. It's my least favorite movie of the year. Yeah. Well, that's because you didn't see Justice League. (laughs) That's true, I did. If you had seen Justice League, you would have a very different. Oh, you know what? Actually, I did see Alien Covenant. That's pretty fucking terrible. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. That might be the worst movie I saw last year. Again, you didn't see Justice League. I I saw Justice League. I saw Dark Tower. Um, Those would be. The bottom two, for sure. Um, like, and next to those two movies, Alien Covenant, at least is Ridley Scott. At least it looks beautiful. And it has on one great performance on it. Michael Fassbender. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Michael yeah. Fa- Speaking of the Oscars and Michael Fassbender, yeah. Michael Fassbender, I feel like, is an actor that needs an Oscar. Needs an Oscar. Yeah. Should, should get an Oscar. I almost want to say he should have gotten it for Inglourious Bastards, but then you lose. Then he then he wins over Christoph Waltz. Yeah. And, then, and like, Christoph Waltz. Yeah, that was, well. yeah. Honestly, the one he probably deserved it the most for was when he get, was Shame, which he wasn't even yeah. nominated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I haven't actually seen that. So yeah. I would well, say either well, either of his you know first two Steve McQueen films, like yeah. Oh, Hunger, Shame, or Hunger, shit. like both yeah. of them, or even incredible. supporting for twelve years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, he, he was, was except he lost vicious in that film. Whoever won that year was like I don't remember who it was, but it was like a very obvious. I gotta look that up. Whoever he lost to was like, a, oh yeah, that person is. Like the Gary Oldman style, kind of. No, but it was like he sh- he's definitely going to, and he should. Okay, yeah. I mean, okay. Those are always standby. Nice. Yeah, so. Okay. Well, while, <laughs> while he's doing that, uh, let's move on to uh, the acting categories. Best actress, of course, went to Frances McDormand, and um, her incredible. Maybe I took a bunch of drugs. Speech. Yeah, she was. I mean, it was it was coherent. 
Yeah, I mean, it was, it was. There was so much like <laughs> physical movement in it that I'm like, I think she's kind of just like that. Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe I just haven't seen her, you know, give enough interviews. And that's not a knock. I'm not saying yeah, that is sure. like, oh, I think she's drug addled and yeah, you know, yeah. Whatever. I don't um, mean that. I mean, we've she, all listened, we've all done drugs. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, she literally said, "I've got something to say. I've got a lot to say." You yeah, know? and I love when she said like, it. The, oh, he's got the answer. Right? I take oh. it back. This person did not deserve oh, okay. it. Jared Leto. Oh, oh he lost no. that to Jared Leto. I take that back. Yeah, he was not. Michael Fassbender's never been nominated, has he? No, he was nominated for Twelve Years a Slave. He oh. was nominated for Steve Jobs. That's right. Oh, Maybe that's a third right. one, actually. I don't Steve Jobs. He, he did not deserve it for Steve Jobs. <laughs> well, I didn't like that movie. Yeah, it was, he's very movie. good. I just didn't like his American accent. It was you funny. and the accent. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. This is going to be a running theme on this podcast. That's fine. That's fine. I have a. My, uh, yeah, I Brian is more. Brian is a little more perturbed by a bad accent than I am. <laughs> I just you know, care. You know who did not have a bad accent is Daniel Kaluuya. In very, Africa. very true. Oh, right. I, I didn't know he was accent. British until well after. I didn't know. I didn't know. But we're on Best Actress. Let's go back to Best yeah. Actress. So yeah. Frances McDormand, yes. um, a national treasure. Yes, she is. Um, Amazing. Has an Oscar. Didn't is the best part of an otherwise problematic movie. Yes. Not necessarily the best actress, in my opinion, of of the year. I would have loved for Greta Gerwig to get that. I would have loved. You mean you mean Saoirse Ronan? I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I have to say, when they played, now I'm less attuned to this than you are, but when they played her clip, I don't remember which scene it was. When they played her clip, and oh, they, it was the accent. For, yeah, for the, the record, Lady Bird, my favorite film of the year, but. When they played that clip, I was like, "Ooh, she sounds real Irish." Yeah, yeah. like whatever, whatever clip they chose, she. It was when really she was. It's when she's Sacramento. It's yeah, when she's yeah, confronting yeah. Laurie Metcalf, and oh, she's like, like "I'm going to get she, really rich, and yeah. I'm going to make a lot of money." And, and it's, it's, the, it's, it's when just, she's like, "Tell me a number, like tell me how much it cost you, or yeah. whatever the whole thing is." And she throws the paper down. It's a great scene and a yeah, great it's movie, and it's a great performance. She's wonderful. Yeah. So who else was best actor? Sally Hawkins. You know what I was hoping it would go to Sally Hawkins because for me that was the most like intensely heartbreaking yeah. thing and like you know for for somebody who chairs a diversity committee I was immediately kind of up in arms that you didn't actually have a deaf or mute person playing that role. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm like okay this is like it's not whitewashing but it is like taking somebody who doesn't live with a disability and putting them in this yeah. like role that's gonna probably win them a, nom- a nomination and possibly right. an award. Um, but her role, I mean, the thing I love about that movie in general is that it has so much heart mm-hmm. and soul yeah. for people who are outsiders, but her performances and the clip that they showed, um, you know, in in her reel for, you know, for the award yeah. Yeah. is like such a heartbreaking moment in that movie. That's my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah, what incredible. was the scene? It's the scene where she is explaining to Richard Jenkins. Like, and she's forcing him mm. to repeat out loud yeah. so that he can hear himself say... Yeah. What she's, uh, you know, describing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. To be uh, to be fair, a deaf woman has won Best Actress before. Mm-hmm. That's true. So there, really is, there is that. Yeah. I haven't seen that movie. What it was? It's Children of a Lesser Children God. Children of a Lesser God. It's, yeah, I've it's not seen it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not great. Yeah. <laughs> but she's she's very very good in it. Like yeah. it's a deserved award. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, and who, so Tanya Harding, I'm sorry, Margot Robbie. <laughs> Tanya Robbie. Harding. No, I, Margot Robbie. I, as Tanya Harding. I really think I think that was your. Favorite of the year, right? I, it was a, it would would have been a tie between her and Sally Hawkins. I think Itanya is at best a B B plus movie, but in the last fifteen minutes, she just like that was the, the, those that last two her scenes. Oscar clip, yeah. The, her, uh, the, 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 her I would rather clip. go to jail, yeah, and, and be able to skate than not be able. to She is unbelievable in that scene, and the scene right before it, the mirror scene that they use in the that they use in the trailer so much of her putting on her yeah yeah she knocked both of those scenes out of the park and they were both really really hard to pull off yeah um I would say actually also like, another good accent yes yes, yes. Yes. I feel like it's easier for Australians than it is for English people. I don't yeah, because Nicole Kidman too. Yeah, she's always often fine. has a really good. Yeah, American they follow the Kate Blanchett school. Yeah, and she's <laughs> always like I feel like in Blue Jasmine, Blue Jasmine she's yeah. really 
But Kate Blanchett's also like somebody who becomes whatever character she's yeah, playing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, her portrayal of Catherine Hepburn is like free. Yeah. I will say my favorite lead female performance of the year was not nominated, which was of Vicky Creeps in yeah. Phantom Thread. Oh, yeah. Um, that even more than Daniel Day Lewis for me. That performance made the movie, and it's because when you get to the end of the movie and you realize who she is, you're like, oh, she's been playing this the whole time. Like, she's been this character the whole time. And when you look back on the movie, for me, it just... That performance just grows the more I think about it, and I'm more impressed with it the more I think about it. And I hope she does more stuff, because I thought she was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. She was fantastic, you're right. When we were talking about that movie after we saw it, you know, sort of, like, unpacking that, you know, I think I was telling you, like... Wait, which movie? Transfer Thread. But I was sort of like... I have a very, at this point in the year and after everything's been having, happening the last two years, I have a very low threshold for being able to, like, roll with things that are deeply misogynist. Sure. And so I was, like, really having a hard time getting through this film. And then the twist at the end happens, and you start to think back on all of these scenes, especially with her and Leslie Manville, yeah. together in the room where you just assume that they're adversaries for so much of the movie, and they are for a period, but at some point it become it really flips the script entirely. Yeah. And that is amazing. Like, that, the impact of that, because the film appears so clearly one way, just, like, killed it and knocked it out of the park at the end. Totally. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's one of those movies, I haven't, I've only seen it the once, but mm-hmm. I'm Me looking too. forward to seeing it again. Me too. I've already pre-ordered it on iTunes, I don't know when it's coming out, <laughs> but I will be, I will definitely be Apple, watching it Apple, please give us money. Right. <laughs> but, but, but like, you do want to see it again, because in more ways than, yeah. in so many ways, the last ten minutes of the movie makes everything that, yeah. that comes before it so yeah. different. Yes. Yeah. In a way that I can't think of another movie that's done that, that's not The Sixth Sense, or mm-hmm. a genre movie that's... Right. That, has that kind of big fanciful twist that remember for a minute like after Thick Sense there was like that was like the thing and everybody right. had to have a twist right just um, like after Pulp Fiction did... everything was nonlinear exactly yeah. the same yeah. thing yeah, yeah. yeah exactly um, and it's it's Paul Thomas Anderson is such a great writer like <laughs> yeah. so it was great it was great to see that um, so who else is best actress Are we, should we move on to best actor well I, unless there's Hawkins McDormand Robbie Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. What is she doing there? Yeah, I mean, mean, especially given (laughs) Vicky Creeps. Yeah. And and I I really do think, I mean, like, there are Spielberg movies I like. I was excited to see The Post. I I, I pointed it out, besides The Color Purple, this is the only movie he's ever made with a female protagonist. Yeah. And even with that, it it feels like he could not bring himself to be interested in her. That's really interesting. I've never thought about that before, but something is always... I'm not... A Spielberg like devotee. I love some of his early work. Yeah, you know, obviously, <laughs> Brian's wearing a Jurassic Park uh, T-shirt right now. That for the for the people listening. Um, <laughs> but um, I have had such a hard time. Like, I feel like he's one of those people that like works too too deeply in preciousness and Hollywood tropes, yeah. and he does it very well. I'll give him yeah. that. I mean, he but defined some of those tropes. Yeah, too. absolutely. Like, invented yeah. them. But those tropes are not interesting to me. So, right. like, I find it very hard to, like, you know, if I felt like he was doing something new every single time, twisting something, sure. trying something, pulling and pushing. Well, there's a reason he didn't get nominated this year. It'd be, um, I'd feel differently about that. But I think Meryl Streep sort of similarly, yeah. like, I mean, there's no disputing that she's a great actor. Of course not. Nobody, she's got the Oscar. She's not a great actress. Yeah, yeah she's got certainly got the nominations to prove it too. Right. Um, but I do think I think you and I were talking about this before. Like, I think at this point Meryl Streep could like fart for twenty minutes on film and get nominated for an Oscar. Exactly. And, like that was Music of the Heart, actually. She doesn't. I, mean, I thought it was Mamma Mia. But... <laughs> That's when there's a scene when they're making oh, a sequel. How much money did they get? In the trailer, it looks like her character is dead. Oh, I mean, that's why they hired Cher so that she would look alive by comparison. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying it looks like because you see these scenes, and I'm getting way off track, and I will make this brief. You see these scenes of the two, Christine Baranski and the other woman. I didn't see the movie, so I don't know the characters' names. Right. Um, but they're her friends, or like Meryl Streep's friends. And you see in the trailer, there's scenes where she's talking to the actress that plays the daughter. Uh, Amanda Seyfried. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And they're talking about the Meryl Streep character and about what it was like when she was pregnant. And then it, like, flashes back to Meryl Streep's character, like, younger. And you see a few shots of Meryl Streep. But I definitely saw the trailer and I got the impression I was like, I think the character's dead. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's the movie. Well, that's the thing, too, is that she's pregnant. The uh, uh, daughter character is pregnant. And I think that that's... But she's it just seemed like the mummy. Yeah. I guess I don't know. My I honestly, mommy, I don't feel like she's done a role worthy of her talent since adaptation. I really think that's the last role she did that I felt like was. Well, she won. What did she win for? The Iron Lady, right? Yeah. Oh god. I was a movie I did not see. You're fine. I didn't want to. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to. <laughs> um, but it also kind of felt. I don't know who else was nominated that year, but it also felt like. I remember when she won, it was like, given the... I remember kind of feeling like, given the year, I was kind of like, yeah... I it had been 30 years since her last one. Yeah. 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 So, Speaking of legacy awards. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, and, again, no one is no one is saying that she's a bad actress. But she did... Even break, in bad movies. Cool. She did break Jodie Foster's legs. That's <laughs> right. That's we all found out on the Oscars. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. No, That's she's true. fantastic. She yeah. just... I, she doesn't choose the best movies. That's... No, I think that she's just... She's comfortable. She's comfortable yeah, and yeah. she just does, yeah. And I don't think she's ever done a sequel before. So, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again <laughs> is probably her first sequel, so good for is her. Is that actually what it's called? Oh, God. Oh, my God. Moving on. Yeah, <laughs> moving on. So, we best actress, best actor. dot, 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 fun, dot, 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 good. That's a quote Liz Lemon. <laughs> Anytime we can work a Liz Lennon quote into our podcast, we should. I'm yes. going to be right at home. Perfect. I'm more of a Leslie Note person. But <laughs> that's fine. Between, 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 yeah, between yeah. I, that's fine. Um, so best actor, Gary Oldman won best actor. To um, no one's surprise. To no one's surprise. Again, it felt like they were checking off a box. They were like, let's give Gary Oldman his Oscar. Especially because they've gotten so much shit over the years of like, well, if you like, you can't take the Oscar seriously, they never nominate Gary Oldman. Right. That's right. right. You know. Yeah. Um, I didn't not, realize his only other Oscar nomination was for Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Yeah, so it was no. really recent. Yeah. Very recent. Because yeah. yeah. basically people kind of were like, oh, he doesn't have one, does he? <laughs> yeah. Um, he should have gotten one for Sid and Nancy. He could have gotten one for The Professional. He could have gotten one for... Uh, I can't think of Hell, give him a supporting one for Fifth Element. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. Or, or I'm JFK. dead serious. Or JFK. He played, oh, so that's weird. Yeah. He's played Winston Churchill. He's played Sid... I don't know his last name. Sid Vicious? Sid, yeah, Sid Vicious. I was going to say Sid Barrett, but that's Pink Floyd. Yeah. So he's played Winston Churchill, Sid Vicious, Lee Harvey Oswald. Right. <laughs> what a filmography. Like, no one, again... It just disappears into his role. <laughs> well, I disagree with that. <laughs> at, least in the, at least in the case of... Um, Churchill. Of, of Darkest Hour, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm quoting another critic, but he was like a lot of the... Uh, heavy lifting of that performance is done by pr- the prosthetics, mm-hmm. um, and I—that's—he was exactly right. I felt like I—I've told you this, but I don't think I've talked to you about this. There's an episode of Friends with Gary Oldman playing a Gary Oldman-like actor, not named Gary Oldman. I don't remember the act- character's name, but he does a movie with Joey, and the whole like joke is that he's over emoting and spitting on Joey's face, and Joey can't deal with it. And I could <laughs> not get that out of my head when I was watching him yell at people in, in this movie because he spits everywhere. <laughs> and I, I and it just kind of took me out of the movie a little bit. It was also, I wasn't really that engaged with the movie. Yeah. Um, it was a very sort of basic biopic. It almost functions better as a prequel to Dunkirk <laughs> than it does to its as its own movie. Yeah. It's like it's like the Dunkirk cinematic universe now, apparently, because <laughs> uh, there is lines in Dunkirk where they're like, "Well, the Churchill wants us to do this and that," and then like in well, that, it movie, ends with a speech by him being yeah. read by one of the characters. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So that's kind of, that was kind of interesting, but um, super coincidental, obviously. But not my favorite. Movie, not my favorite Gary Oldman performance. I would have loved... Who else was nominated? Uh, so Dan- we have uh, Timothy Denzel, Sh- Timothy yeah. Chalamet, Daniel Kaluuya, and Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. And 
any one of those other probably other than uh, uh, Denzel. I mean, I didn't. We did anybody see Roman J. Whatever? No, no I didn't. And I don't think that is limited to just this room. I really think nobody saw. <laughs> I think nobody saw. But honestly, he should have. And I didn't love Fences, but he should have won. Yeah, yeah, he was incredible yeah. in Fences. I, I think he's a and very he's, very accomplished actor. He's great, yeah. and I wouldn't have a problem with if if we can nominate Meryl Streep for Florence Florence Foster Jenkins. Yeah. Florence Foster. Why Foster. not nominate? <laughs> Denzel for Roman J. Esquire. Why not nominate Denzel for... Or Music of the Fart. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just... That's our first, like, t-shirt match, I think. We already got it. Music of the Fart. Nice. Um, Meryl Streep would probably be into that. She probably would. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, it's... Timothy Chalamet is... Yeah. Maybe the best performance I've seen... It was my favorite performance of the year. Yeah. Was, Maybe my performance of like the last several years. Yeah. It just What's funny about over. that performance for me was that I saw when I saw the movie and I, I liked him in the movie, I liked I liked the movie a lot overall. Um, and I thought he was good in it. But then I saw him in interviews and basically as himself. And then I rewatched yeah. his movie. I watched him oh, rewatch this movie. <clears throat> and I noticed what a performance it was because yeah. I think the first time I watched it I kind of just assumed that this was him like, that he's yeah. just this overeducated like 22 right. year old who knows all these different things about and that may well be true but watching him in interviews and stuff he's just, I mean he sounds like a 22 year old exactly. and I'm sure he's a perfectly nice guy but it's like then to watch his movie again and to see kind of what he's changed and what's different is that it was fascinating to me, and it, it made me respect that performance even more, and it made me respect that movie even more. And I already loved the movie and loved the performance, so mm-hmm. now I'm, yeah, I'm with you. It's one, of, it's probably one of the best of the year. Yeah, um, I was rooting for Daniel Kaluuya because I love that movie. Um, I would have been happy with either of those two, Daniel Day Lewis winning. I think Roman J. Esquire was the only one I didn't see, and probably the only one I was really like. Actively, I really the one I was actively voting against or rooting against was the one. That was <laughs> I feel like that's yeah. how everybody, yeah. everybody I knew yeah. felt. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah. I definitely felt like for me it was between, as you said, Daniel Kaluuya and Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. Would you say, based on your observations of his interviews, do you think Timothy Chalamet is more like his character in Lady Bird? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I was going to say is, I actually saw Lady Bird before I saw. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. So I was like, and he's just yeah, so and he's supposed to be he's so fucking irritating. Yeah, in that yeah. Movie. such a tool. Yeah. Yes, and yes, he's supposed to be. And yeah. so, like when I saw that, I knew that it was like, oh, he's got. Range. Yeah. 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 See, I didn't. Ha- I hadn't seen that. I didn't see Lady Bird until after I saw Call Me By Your Name. Right. Um, and I know we're all sick of Daniel Day-Lewis. I know he has three Oscars, but like, if anybody deserves a fourth, right? I would have been fine with him winning. Absolutely. It's an amazing. Yeah. I know it's like, especially it's, given it's his quote-unquote last performance. Right. We'll see. Well, yeah, I think everybody kind of says that when they talk yeah. about that. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. And it's you know, um, he's so consistently great that when he gives another great performance, you're almost like, oh, and Daniel Day-Lewis, whatever. But right, it's right. so good. Right. Like, and he's not a Meryl Streep where he's in a movie every year and is nominated every year. Right. He's in a, one movie every five years and he's phenomenal and they give him an Oscar. And he's in better movies than she is. And he is in better movies. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think that's also probably a, just a factor of he's in fewer movies. Sure. Yeah. I think if she were in fewer movies, maybe she would be. I mean, I don't know. I, don't, I want to speak for Meryl Streep. Yeah. But I also feel like he chooses roles that are distinct enough. Yeah. And I guess you right. could And he still... works with filmmakers a lot like right. that he that he worked like he works with the people that he works with he's done two movies with Paul Thomas Anderson he did two with Scorsese he's a method actor isn't he yeah. yeah yeah. so I mean that could be part of it I don't know if Meryl Streep is or not I assume she's not but but I would say that uh, like consi- like you were saying like if he if he kept winning Oscars for his performances I wouldn't be mad about it because right. one his performances are are very very good but they're all different. Like, yeah. I mean, he inhabits yeah, yeah. I mean, the difference is between... Characters. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I the differences between Reynolds Woodcock and uh, Daniel Plainview are... The only similarities is, is it's the actor. Like, other than that, they could not be more different. Um, I feel like, in many ways for me, he is... And I will use any excuse that I can find to talk about my love for Kate Blanchett, but I feel, I feel like he's somebody who... 
is like a male equivalent of her because when yeah. she falls into a role, like she becomes that role. Mm-hmm. Her mannerisms really become that of the person she's portraying her. Yeah. The staccato of her voice, every element of it sort of falls into that. Um, even when it's Galadriel, <laughs> right. you know, I think um, that's a perfect analogy because she is, and she is sort of even more than Meryl Streep. She is sort of infallible. Yeah, like everything she does, I've just never seen her do anything wrong, and I've never seen Daniel Day Lewis do anything wrong. So yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so actor, actress, best. Do we kind of we kind of touched on Sam Rockwell for supporting? Do we want to go back to supporting? And um, talk about, all, all I will say about it was a, that was a weak category. It was a weak. It was a weak category because yeah. the guy that gave the best supporting performance in at least definitely in one movie and solid supporting performances in two other movies was Michael Stolbard, and he was incredible like just like that's like I I love Call Me By Your Name um the people I saw with like some of them didn't connect to it because I think they were looking for something very realistic and I'm Mm -hmm. like this is Luca Guarino he makes these like beautiful like sumptuous like you know pieces about emotion and just like the being there in that moment Mm -hmm. um so that didn't bother me but that but for everyone that I saw it with, even the ones that didn't connect to it, mm-hmm. that conversation scene towards the end of the film is yeah. just, like, shattering. Well, if you've ever been in love, you can't not relate yeah. to what he says. Yeah. Well, and if you've ever come out, like, that, yeah. that expression of, like, I am afraid, especially since the movie takes place in the 80s, even though it's sort of like this... Oddly accepting 80s. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's an oddly accepting family. Right. Yes. They're really right. the only, like, people that you see. Because the, the well, his girlfriend see. kind of is like... Right. Well, but she takes them in at the end. Wait, 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 wait. what were you, you going to say? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, just, like, sure. just like that performance is really good. The thing about the category overall that, like, I've said to Brian and I've said to, like, anybody who will listen to me... Is it is really like you know for Oscars talking about all its diversity initiatives? It is really fucking top time to stop rewarding performances of white people being quote unquote brave for being awful racist monsters. Yeah. Right? It's not brave, and I will say this as people on the other side probably don't know this because they don't see me, but as a Latinx person, like being like portraying a racist person as a white person isn't brave because that is the legacy right Right, right, you know like people of color have to deal with very different legacies that we all have to crawl out from underneath whenever anyone has expectations of us right but like this is just this is the legacy on the other side and it's not that it's not a difficult performance and it's not that like if i'm not a racist person like that i have to put myself through that but like we need to stop rewarding that (laughs) like especially when it's a cop yeah yeah that was it was it was very problematic movie for a lot of reasons. It just, it just, oh God, I don't even know where to begin with that movie. I really don't. Cause it's like, I could have a, we could do an entire like episode about just that movie and nobody wants that quite frankly. No, <laughs> we're all kind of tired of that movie. Um, it, it's a good performance, but it's not his best performance. No. And it wasn't, certainly wasn't the best supporting performance of the year. One of the biggest issues that I had with that movie um, is there is no somehow he's redeemed by this coincidence. Mm-hmm. That to me is the one of the more sort of like glaring things because it's like it, it, Mike, Martin McDonough like wants us to kind of think like oh he's the changed person or whatever and like all of that but it's like well, he's not he's not really yeah. and he's getting in the car to go kill somebody yeah. and I guess Kyle hasn't seen it so spoiler alert I've not seen it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm fine. Um, you don't need to see it, but um, they just lean too, like too much on people of color as plot devices, yes. without giving them point of view or a perspective or even a voice in that movie. So it's very much the honest trailers for the Oscars summed it up, but it was like three racists inside Missouri. Like yeah. that's what the movie's about. And like, I guess Frances McDormand is probably the least racist of those characters. Mm-hmm. She doesn't outwardly call anybody any 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 untoward names, but well, but she makes fun of of a, a person who's dwarf, right? And you that's know, the and other like thing: is, what is Peter Dinklage doing in this movie if not right. to be and not the, smoke, the, the little person jokes? And he's know? absolutely used that way. I thought that McSweeney's article you sent me the like seventeen other billboards, yeah, 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 uh, I which think so, all yeah. call out the problems of the film was absolutely on point. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I kind of want to go back to Call Me by Your Name though because I wanted to know if you guys. 
I know I kind of know where everybody stands on it, but do we want to discuss the biggest controversy about Call Me By Your Name, which was the the age difference, or is that kind of a non-issue as far as we're all concerned? <sighs> well, it's, 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 it's a non-issue for me. It's an issue for a lot of other people. Yeah. Um, I mean, like a, a point that's been made a lot that I think is true is that maybe I don't want to say it's miscast because I think Army Hammer is great. Yeah. I think Timothy Chalamet is fantastic, obviously, yeah. but yeah. And Army Hammer reads as 30, if not older. He looks, he, I think he is 30, and he yeah. looks like he's 35, 36. And just like 20, and you just can't buy him as 24. And right. no matter how many articles you read that says the character is 24, and nobody's going to believe that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't, they don't know. even really say that in the movie that I can remember. I don't, yeah, I don't even remember, remember them mentioning his name, just that he's a graduate student. Yeah, yeah. To me, it wasn't that big of an issue, I feel like. A lot of people at 17 are in relationships and they're in love with people. And yeah. a lot of, yes, America is very puritanical and the age, sort of the legal age limit for most of the country is 18. And in some states it's 16 or 17. And some countries are 16 or 17. Including Italy, for the record. Including Italy. <laughs> but it's also, the thing to me is that that's not what this movie is about. No. no, And it's weird for me. This was kind of the biggest point. This is actually the kind of the point that I wanted to make about this movie specifically, like, for the podcast, is that at no point in the movie does Elio feel he's been victimized or raped or traumatized. No. He's traumatized in the sense that he has a broken heart, but it's yeah. not a trauma that... We like it's it's a very common thing that we've all had, um, and I wouldn't even say it's traumatized. He's just saddened. He's, yeah. He has his heart broken. Um, he also so it feels weird. Oh, go ahead. I would say he also ninety percent initiates. Yeah, absolutely. The movie yeah. does a very good job too. Of they skirt around it so much, both characters, and right. they really do. And Oliver backs away like he takes his time and kind of like and it, you're right he, it is Elio kind of like instigates it and puts it in motion I mean the movie makes you wait at least an hour before yeah. they even oh, and the other thing, the other thing is that like so yeah. on the one hand I feel like we in 2018 are telling this character the 17 year old character of 1983 like you've been raped right. you were statutory right. raped and I think even in even in 1983, he would have said, "No, I wasn't. I, right. I knew what I was getting myself into, and all of that." Um, and the other point that I wanted to make, I don't know how you could watch that last scene and think that that's somebody who was had traumatized. Yeah, had anything happened to him that he didn't um, happen? Oh, so the other point that I wanted to make though was that horrible uh, way to phrase that. Sorry. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> um, I feel like the movie is it's very much Elio's movie. Yeah. It is about Elio. He's the main yeah, character. He's in most of the scenes. He's in almost every shot. I believe he's in every scene. Yeah. Um, so you... And I, this was one of the things that struck me on the rewatch when I was watching it last week, is that if you let if you let the movie... If you follow the movie, you can fall in love with Oliver right alongside Elio. Totally. Like, mm-hmm. it lets you kind of... You, and that scene where he's like... There's so many, like, random awkward scenes where... The thing, the scene I keep thinking about is like when he starts masturbating and then he walks in, and then there's that whole thing where he's like, "Oh, let's go, let's go down swimming," and he's like, "Can we, can we, can I meet you down there?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like weird little things like that. Like it's his, it's his story, it's his movie. He's the one that's kind of initiating everything. Well, and if, like I said, if you let it, the movie, like you can fall. In, if you let the movie, you will, you will fall in love with Oliver as well. Can I? Can I? Um ask you guys both a personal question sure absolutely um when did you guys lose your virginity um i was 17 i was also 17 yeah yeah i was not 17 (laughs) (laughs) but i have more than made up for it i was oh no i was honestly i was 20 i this is no this is no shaming this is no no no. shaming you can be 70 and virgins and i will say for the record i wish it had been later yeah I honestly do. I wish that I had waited till college. Yeah, I honestly. did wait till college, yeah. um, and I've made up for it since. <laughs> but no, I um, I grew up in a small town. I don't want to get into too many personal details. Certainly not like on the first episode. But I grew up in a small town. I only knew one or two other gay people that were in my age group, and even though I knew they were gay, we didn't really ever talk about it. I wasn't out to anybody until I went to college. It just it was, and, and I was kind of a, a, I was a fat kid, so growing up, by the time I was attractive enough, or skinny enough, that I wasn't a fat kid anymore, I'd hit puberty and I had a growth spurt, and I'm 
I was taller and skinnier. By then I hit puberty and I'm like, no, I'm gay. <laughs> so like even having like, they're like having a girlfriend is a 160 pound, like sixth grader is not an option. Yeah. And then by the time you're, by the time I was older and, and, and thinned out and everything, I was, I, I had realized that I was gay and I didn't want a girlfriend. So it was like, so I never did any of that stuff. Um, and I literally was a, a very good friend of mine, much like Elio lost her virginity to somebody and he was a total shit and it just shattered her. And I just was like, that's not going to be me. And I literally like, I just decided I was going to go and like lose my virginity. So I did. Well, so the reason I asked this question and all bodies are beautiful, by the way, (laughs) I was, I was also a really chubby kid growing up. Um, but, uh, I mean, so the first time I had like my first boyfriend when I was 17, I also grew up in a very small town and, honestly I came out sort of before I was ready to as a political maneuver because there were some really violent things happening in my high school and I felt like if I come out now everyone and anything happens to me any everyone in the town will know why sure right? so I felt like I had this sort of immunity uh-huh. sort yeah, of yeah. in a sense um but then I started dating somebody and he was in college and I was 17 and he was he was probably 22 or 23 uh, when I was 17. So I think when I, the reason I really asked this question is that when I watched the film, I mean, I don't personally regret having lost my virginity at that age and having like started to experience some of those things, um, around that age. But I think we can all understand like the intensity of that emotion Mm -hmm. as a young person. I don't think you know, the film is not really so much about the sexual aspect. No, the, you never even see them. No, you never you see only see the aftermath. Right. right. Yeah. Um, so it's not gratuitous, but it's so much about that sort of emotional, like, the joy, the yeah. the frustration, the, the that pent up, like, the hope that you have there. Yeah. And, like, as a young queer kid trying yeah. to figure your shit out, like... You know, I remember having these, like, these experiences with older guys, and, like, most of them never panned out, ever. I actually think the better question than when did you lose your virginity was, would have been, when When did did you you first fall in love? love? And mine was when I was 21, and he was 31. Yeah. And that sort of felt like a second losing of my virginity. Like, it felt like, when I had sex with him, it sort of felt like the first time I was having sex. And I was completely in love with him, and, you know, it just, I knew it was, intellectually, I knew it was never going to work out, but yes, I still had that, maybe, 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 and so, like, it was just, especially that last scene where he's staring into the fireplace, it was just almost too relatable for me to even watch, you know, I just, I recognize that so much. Yeah, I think, like you said, though, it's like anybody who's ever been in love, like, can relate to that. Anyone, certainly anyone who's ever been in love and, like, lost the person that they love. But, like, via breakup or, like, someone who's ever been dumped. Um, well, and I think more of the virginity part of that for me was really just the technical aspect of, like, did we as three queer men seeing this film feel like... Well, that's what... Did, I mean, we, that's, yeah, did we feel like this person was raped or violated? And I know. No, I didn't. Like, when I was 17, no. like... And that's what this podcast is, though. It's, like, a queer perspective. Yeah. yeah. And there are queer people, I'm friends with them, who, who say that it's a problematic age gap. Oh, yeah. Some of the people I saw the film with felt exactly that way. They're like, when I was 17, I lost my virginity, and I didn't feel like I had any choice. And I was... They were describing an experience to me, which I won't relate at all, but... You know, I was like, yeah, you didn't have any choice in that. Right, but Elio does. Yeah, he does, and and he pursues it, and, like, for me, I felt like I went that way. Right, right, right. did the things I wanted to do because I wanted to do them. Yeah. You know. And he, and the character kind of lives in that kind of accepting kind of family where he has, like, he's obviously super self-confident. He, like, you know. Um, but I feel like we've kind of talked about this movie quite a bit. (laughs) We have. Okay, so we do have one more uh, acting category left. Which for me is the most heartbreaking, the thing that I was the saddest about last night, which was supporting actress. Um, for the record, I am a huge Allison Janney fan. Yeah. I was obsessed yeah. with the West Wing. Yeah. If anything, she should have more Emmys for playing CJ Craig. I when I first heard before I had seen Itania, when I heard that the front runner for the award was Allison Janney, I couldn't have been more excited. Yeah. And it is a flawless performance. But it's a performance she could do a sleep drug with one hand behind her back. It yeah. is such a one-dimensional yeah. character, and I just, 
I have already said my favorite film of the year is Lady Bird, and the best thing about Lady Bird is Laurie Metcalf. Absolutely. And it's just, you know, especially since those are two problematic mothers, putting those performances side by side, I just don't know how yeah. how Allison Janney is the better performance, how it's the better character. And to me, it sort of feels like this is, you know, I don't want to repeat a conservative talking point about Hollywood being out of touch with America. <laughs> and I know anecdotal evidence is not evidence, but I don't know a single person, and I know so many people who have seen both movies, I don't know a single person who preferred the Allison Janney performance. Um, Matt, who may... Will, will, who will one day be on this podcast? Uh-huh. Pre- preferred Allison Janney. Okay. I, mean, okay. I already talked to him about it, and he's been punished. Um, <laughs> um, I, you're right. I'm 100% with you. Um, it's such a lived-in, real performance. Yeah. It's such a. It just feels like it's a real woman. Exactly. Yeah, like it just. And I know. I know. The, whereas. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I, I, I know I'm the millionth person who said that, but it just. So many things she said, I was like, oh, that's my mom. Yeah. Like, yeah. I've heard my mom say that exactly. And we've talked about this, and I actually, yeah. this was something I wanted to bring up uh, on the podcast, was I have this sort of theory um, that how one relates to Lady Bird and whether or not one likes Lady Bird, I think has a lot to do with your relationship with your mother. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to sit here and psychoanalyze anybody. Right. But I think that that's a key, I think that's a key thing to to that movie and to that performance um, I think that the other problem with the Alice and Janie performance is it's such a, like, it's a very good performance, and you're right, she could do it in her sleep. She plays that character every week on Mom, on CBS. Sure. She has an Emmy for that character. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all, I said on Facebook, I was like, it's, it's just, like, fidgety and, like, lighting cigarettes and, like, eye rolls. And it's like, and I, and what I said on Facebook is, like, it's, she's kind of just an R-rated Pam from The Office. Like, it's just that kind of in the, just in the sense that like most of the performance is like reactive and kind of rolling her eyes and being like well you know I what see, I'm saying yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, if she was if, if, Oscar for, for that performance it should have been for Loretta and Drop Dead Gorgeous thank you <laughs> right uh, like, yes exactly and more then smartest more smartest <laughs> like you said any other year I would be thrilled that yeah. Alice and Jenny was Absolutely. like headlining had Head, heading straight towards an Oscar, but not against Lady Bird, not against Laurie Metcalf. Like, you know what's a better? A... You know what's a better mom performance she gives in a movie? Juno. Yeah, um, or even it was the same, almost the same character, but uh, uh, Away We Go. Oh, I, didn't, yes. I loved her. I loved her. her in Away we yes, go. she's great. In that um, it's really funny. She oh gives God, a really good yeah. performance. It's this almost an identical performance. It's this kind of like over it mom kind of thing. Sure. I don't think she. I don't think the character in Away We Go hates her. Children as much. She just doesn't right. care. <laughs> she's, it's, yeah, it's just it's just it, it, her versus Laurie Metcalf. It's just like a bad mother. One just like one character who's just a bad mother, and another character who is trying to be a good mother and but, failing. Yeah, and or failing, failing in a lot of ways. Failing yeah. in a lot of ways, but also is has this really difficult daughter to do exactly. With, yeah, and yeah, a yeah. Difficult situation and like a difficult job, and her husband's losing right. his job. Um, Right, all those moments where you see Laurie Metcalf like at work being a nurse, yeah. you don't get an equivalent moment with Alice. Right, and right, yeah. right. There's nothing yeah. that really humanizes. Uh, I don't know the character's name in I Tanya. Lavanya. 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 That was the other thing. It's like I feel like I'm always aware that it's Alice and Jenny. Right. Yeah. Um, Laurie Metcalf kind of just disappears. I mean, yeah. I really only know Laurie Metcalf through this and like and, and Scream Two. Yes, Scream. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Personally, um, I think it's a little poetic. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I will say that I feel exceptionally lucky that um, so I have a, a a thing with my mom every year. We always like she takes care of my grandmother who's been ailing for a number of years, and mm-hmm. so she doesn't get to go out and see a lot of films, especially not sort of you know indie cinema, any of that sort, any of the art yeah. house films, right? So um, over Christmas, the day after Christmas, we usually go. And, you know, hit up the theater and they're, you know, they're always rerunning a lot of the big Oscar nominated films or the assumed Oscar nominated films. And so we'll just do a day and Mm -hmm. we'll watch three or four or five films in a row, depending on what we can schedule. Yeah. And so we got to see Lady Bird this year. And like, you know, I mean, I I realize that, you know, Tracy Letts plays the father in that film. So she's not a single mom, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, my mom's a single mom and even though I wasn't a young woman, obviously in high school, like the time period too, like she's mm-hmm. graduating in 2002. That's when I graduated high school. Yeah. Um, 
it's you know I didn't grow up in Sacramento, <laughs> obviously, but <laughs> you grew up in California, yeah, right? But, no, I grew up here uh, in the the suburbs of Earth. I do think that it's not just our mothers. But I think the fact that we're all in our thirties and we're about that yeah. age and at that time. I graduated in nineteen ninety eight. I'm a little bit older, okay, but I was also really into Dave Matthews Band, and I definitely cried <laughs> to that song in the car. I definitely <laughs> cried to that song in the car. The fact that that movie made <laughs> crash into me like an emotional touchstone for me. Like yeah. kudos to Greta Gerwig because <laughs> yeah. I used to hate that song yeah. so much. Yeah. Yeah. it was so it's well used, used. It's used to yeah. such great effect. That entire yeah. the the prom montage, which is all set to that song, I was bawling my eyes yeah. out yeah. all the time. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I remember like going through like my mom is a, it was a, a wonderful mom. We grew up like fairly poor, um, you know. So like we and we had difficulties, right? Like yeah. I was her only kid. She didn't know what to do with me. I think a lot of the time. Um, and there was always a lot of love in the house, but like she even said this, you know, as I was getting older in high school, she's like, well, I don't want to do what I did with my mom. Cause she was the first kid for my grandmother. And she's like, and we just like fought and fought and fought. And we were that whole last year before I went away after graduate, you know, before I graduated high school, mm-hmm. we just kind of hated each other. Yeah. And I think you know, my mom was a psychiatric nurse, so she thinks a lot about, you know, sort of the the psychology behind a lot of things. But, um, you know, she said, I don't want to do that with you because I think for us it was, we hated each other so much that it was okay for me to go. Right. And she's like, I don't want to do that with you. And even though we both knew that we fought and fought and it was almost a relief for me to move away. And right at the end, we fortunately kind of like repaired some of those things. Um, and I feel very fortunate for that but like that moment where she's at the airport and she doesn't go in and then she circles back around and I was like sobbing give her the Oscar I know it was incredible it was so good yeah just just... for that scene or as I said on Facebook that just the look that she gives when she's like what if this is the best best version of myself and she just kind of like tilts her head a little bit and it just it just it just kills you because it's like because it kills Lady Bird because it's like It's a it's a performance of like little moments. It's that it's the scene yeah. where she's ignoring her when she's doing the dishes. And yeah, yeah. So Sharon is just saying, I'm, yeah. "I'm sorry. I know I'm a terrible daughter. Please, please, just look at me." And yeah. she yeah. won't. Or the scene towards the beginning of the movie where. She says, where, you know, Saoirse Ronan says something like, oh, would would you have done this with your mother? And she just goes, my mother was an abusive alcoholic and yeah. walks out of the room. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it yeah. just, uh, ugh, yeah, I, mm, it kills yeah. Me. it was yeah. a great movie um, that it was, it left empty handed last night was very disappointing. Very sad. Um, but it, like I said, it, it was, it was such a checkbox Oscars that it's almost not surprising. No. Um, which even makes it even more depressing, kind of. <laughs> um, but overall, yeah, it was kind of a bum year. I don't know. Uh, I feel like we're at like fifty-two minutes. I don't know if did, did we do we want to go over like Dunkirk and I I love Dunkirk. Yeah, I, yeah. in a, in, a, in any other right, year. But I feel like we talked about Darkest Hour. We talked about Paul yeah. Uh, what we have talked we about? about um, um, the thing else. I mean, like the Florida Project, but uh, none of us have seen it. We haven't seen it yet. Um, Dunkirk. I'll just say really quickly is a lot of people like. Hated it, but I think those are the same people who hate Christopher Nolan. Well, I usually I'm not a huge Christopher Nolan fan. This is the first Nolan movie I've ever loved, and I loved it. Like I actually I think I was rooting for him for best director. I just it, that movie that would have been we yeah we yeah. didn't really talk about. I guess we kind of briefly touched on The Shape of Water, but we spent so much time on Lady Bird and Calling by Your Name. That it <laughs> yeah, like, um, but The Shape of Water, yeah, D- Dunkirk would have been a great. Best director. Uh, I thought uh, it, was... got, it got a lot of the technical awards. I thought mm. it was. It's probably. It is my favorite Nolan movie. Yeah, um, for I, sure. I thought it was the most respectful war film I've ever seen. Like people yeah. talk about Saving Private Ryan and like, oh, how gritty war is. But like, so much of what you see on screen with a typical war film is carnage. Yeah, that right. it almost becomes sort of not really about making you feel like you're there. Yeah, because it's not about the emotion. It's about like the violence and the blood and the carnage. And this film, like, there is violence, but you don't see most of it. You're not, like, inundated with blood and guts everywhere. It is about that moment of, like, fear and horror, like, when whether you're in it or you're waiting for it. Right, exactly. And I I think that's the thing that that is most effective about the movie is that you never see a German. They're always off screen, so they're just... It makes them... It's almost like a horror movie in that there's this boogeyman 
off screen that you never see. And like that scene where they're all in the boat and the bullet holes, the yes. bullets are coming yeah. faster and faster. That scene is fucking terrifying. Yeah. I watched yeah. that movie. I missed it in the theater, which is my one of my great regrets in 2017. Yeah. Uh, I missed it in the theater, but I jumped out of off my couch when that dark scene and the it, the the, it's, the bullets. It's terrifying. I, it yeah. scared the crap yeah. out of me. Yeah. And because I didn't see it coming. Um, well, when you have all the oil on the water too, and you yeah. know that plane is going to crash and the fire is going to start, yeah. and you're just like, Jesus Christ, people yeah. are going to burn. I feel like, yeah. yeah, it's peak. To me, it was it's peak Nolan. It's everything that Nolan does well, streamlined and cut down into a 90 minute movie. I know a lot of people. That guy Justin that I work with talked. He didn't like the movie because he didn't feel like there was a lot of like. Much characterization for the characters, and well, my art, my counter argument to that was like, well, no, you don't need that. Like, it's the whole point of the movie is like get them off the island. Right. That's it. All the characters that's have... everybody's arc. Yeah. Everybody has the same arc. Right. With rescue these soldiers. So there's no, you don't need like the the. Oh, I'm going to look at the picture of my wife back home. Right. Like, right. None of that matters. Right. Because he's on the plane. He's got a mission to do. And he's going to go do that mission. And mm-hmm. like. Or he's on the boat and it's like it's Kenneth Branagh. He's got to like figure out what to do and like yeah. that's everybody's arc. That's every character has that. They're just it's in in the and I don't want to compare the two movies because they're not really similar. Then they, they both have Tom Hardy, but that was kind of my point. I had made that point with um, Fury Road. Mm-hmm. Fury Road is just all momentum. Mm-hmm. It's right. all just like go go go. Yeah. And like you got Charlize Theron and. Tom Hardy is basically your only two characters, and then I don't remember the, the villain's name. And Morton Joe. Morton, Morton Joe, Joe. Yeah. yeah. And like that's it. And it's the same kind of thing where it's like you. Sometimes a movie that deals in archetypes doesn't need those deeper characters. And no. I say that as someone who considers myself like a writer who <laughs> loves like character written. Me stuff, too. Character driven, yeah. like like Lady Bird, for example. Yeah. Like, yeah. The ultimate yeah. character driven movie. Call Me by Your Name, character driven movie. But yeah. like I mean, sometimes in a movie like Dunkirk or even Mad Max, like. Those archetypes. All you need is archetypes. Yeah, yeah. just it's just keep moving forward. Like get yeah. to the thing. Well, that's why like Drive, for example, Drive. that's totally. why that yeah. worked well. Like you don't know who any of these characters are, and in the end, it doesn't actually. And they don't matter. know who any like the yeah. married couple knows, but yeah. like they don't know anything about him. He doesn't know anything about them. Yeah, like, I feel like you kind of know who Albert Brooks is. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, <true>. yeah. <laughs> you, don't, yeah. you don't really know who Carrie Mulligan is. No, like, yeah. Like, you don't really know what the point is of the movie by the end, because there kind of is no point, but it's about the experience well, of the journey. And know? it's the style. I it's think the, the style, yeah. the, the, the point is the style, but yeah, in, totally. in, a, in a good way, not in a, like... Not in, with Neon neon Demon or whatever. Right, right. Or, right. Oh, what was that terrible one that he made after that? Only God Forgives? Was yeah. that him? Yeah, only... Yeah, yeah, only oh, Refn? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I thought um, it was terrible, but... Anyway. Yeah, so that's Dunkirk. <laughs> um, the post, I think we kind of discussed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think overall, like I like, I think we can all agree it was a pretty sort of meh, meh. kind of Oscars. Um, again, we have we didn't really discuss Get Out very much. Oh, we can talk about Get Out. I mean, I do have to leave very shortly. But okay, well, let's um, let's let's. I mean, let's knock out Get yeah, Out let's, real, let's real quick, that. and then we can kind of. I mean, it's your favorite movie of the year. It so was my favorite movie of the year. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, I thought it was. And and I've told you this a thousand times. I could have easily have flipped Lady Bird, and I f- I really feel like they're tied for my favorite movie, Lady Bird and Get Out, mm-hmm. for different reasons. I'm a horror movie fan. Um, it was one of the best horror movies I'd seen in a long time. Um, I remember I saw that movie at the Budget Theater, the New Four Hundred, for five or six bucks. Like I had heard good things about it, but I was like, so many horror movies are talked up so much right. that I still kind of went in just being like, okay, let's see. Um, it surprised the hell out of me. Um, Allison Williams absolutely was great in it. Um, she should have been nominated. She should have been nominated. Yeah. I think she should have been nominated. Um, and she should have lost to Lori Metcalf. But she yes. Yo, totally. But I mean, I mean the, uh, like one of the most impressive, like moments, single moments of acting I saw on screen this year is her, the scene of her towards the end on the phone yeah. with the TSA. I like when she's where, holding the keys. And she's oh, just like, give me the keys. The just moment the where keys. she's the moment where she's the And then she's yeah. just like, babe, you know I can't do that. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> no, but just like the fact that she does that whole monologue, well, it's not a monologue, it's a dialogue, but on the phone and she 
manages to keep that dead face yeah. the whole time while yeah. doing that voice. Yeah. So yeah. And I was not a fan of girls. No, I, I hated her on girls. <laughs> I, I wasn't a fan of the show. I didn't know yeah. that. I knew that she was on it, but yeah. I didn't. So, like, seeing her in it, I was like, oh, it's one of the girls. Okay. Yeah. I still I still have the same feeling about Adam Driver when he's in a movie. I'm like, oh, it's Adam Driver. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah, it was. I thought it was one of the. I thought it was the best movie of the year. Like I said, it's pretty much tied for with Lady Bird, but for such vastly different reasons. Um, there's so. I. You might be right that he. Uh, that Jordan Peele may have like blown his wad on his first movie. Well, this is. Or I should say this. I, I'm concerned with both Jordan Peele and Greta Gerwig. Mm-hmm. That they both made these directed their first movie and they're both so intensely personal to their own experiences. Yeah. I wonder if they can ever make another movie yeah. that good. I agree. You know? Yeah. 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 Um and also like of the time. Yes. I think totally. Get Out like would not have worked like ten years ago. It's the right way. movie at the right time. It would yeah, have ended up being like a B yeah. kinda you know. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, it was a, like obviously it was a very timely movie. Yeah. I mean you have it came out less than a month after Trump was inaugurated and you have one of the characters saying like I would have voted for Barack Obama at the time. Yeah. I, like, I do I do think it is pretty richly ironic that I feel like the demographic who likes the movie the most is the is the demographic that it is satirizing. Yeah. Because like it would have been so and one of the things that is so impressive about it is that it would have been so easy to satirize white conservatives. Yeah. The fact that he chooses to satir- to satirize white progressives uh-huh. yeah. I think is what I find most impressive about that right. movie and it's also but it's also the people who are the most I feel like like that movie the most yeah, yeah. are the people that it's jabbing yeah which makes sense I mean like, right like, right yeah. I yeah yeah that's that's actually that's a good point Shots fired Brian <laughs> I like it I, I, a, like, I, 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 I like the movie very much I, know. I, I, I do I had a problem with it obviously I wanted I really wanted Lady Bird to win best screenplay I'm happy for Jordan Peele um but I like honestly the screenplay for me was sort of the weak one of the weaker aspects of the movie just because I know it's gotten a lot of praise for being a genre mashup and I think that's cool. I think it would have been I think it would have worked better for me and it would have even been both funnier and scarier if it had just like kept a straight face the whole time. Every time it goes back to the TSA agent. Mm-hmm. Rodney was good. Is that well, I it love loses, him so much. It's a good performance. Yeah, so funny. He's funny. Yeah. But I don't know. I feel like it's a disservice to the movie because I I I know I'm a broken record on this. I just feel like I'm in a Judd Apatow movie all of a sudden, and I wish that like especially that scene in the police in the police station. That I just was wish the, it that's there. the one scene that even I've seen I've seen the movie now probably seven or eight times. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe that's maybe like five or six. Anyway. Um, that is the one scene that's still kind of like... It's a really Apatowy scene. It's not only that, but I feel like, wouldn't one of them just be like, you know what, let's just investigate. Right. Let's just totally. drive over there. Right. And like, let's see what this is about. Yeah. And the way they kind of all just are like, meh, ah, you're crazy. That's the one thing about the movie that I that I would change if I could. Everything else, though. But like, those, like I said, I'm like... I was going to say, those scenes actually reminded me of Scream. Huh. Like yeah. you know the way that Wes Craven like jumps in there and like does these like real goofy like we're gonna joke 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 this is cutting the tension of like right. the fact that one of you is a slasher you right. know in yeah. this very room right um, yeah I, I just sort of wish it hadn't shown its hand so much yeah. that's that's my problem yeah yeah I thought I thought uh, it's an excellent movie I thought the pacing in that movie was yeah. really good yes and the, the editing and like the scene. Yeah. And, like, you guys are talking about these other, like, I mean, technically very, very, very good acting scenes where she's, like, you know, showing her her transformation a little bit. Or this, like, horror of being, like, this dual personality. But I love this scene when the camera just pans up in the house and she's sitting on her bed with her headphones in. And, like, all in this, like, white, like, very, like, American psycho, like, blonde hair. It's a great shot. It's an incredible shot. And she's just, like, in there and she's looking up, like, famous NBA stars. Is she she listening to Time of My Life? What is she listening to? I can't remember. I think it's Time of My Life. But, anyway... And he's and like the house is on fire and he's getting out. And you're just like, just get in that car and go, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was a great movie. It was definitely yeah. a, a movie of its time. Um, I'm disappointed it didn't win. I'm, but again, I'm not mad that Shape of Water won. Yeah, um, I liked it. Del Toro is a very good filmmaker. I the one I I keep thinking about Tom Hooper. Like at least he has a vision. <laughs> at least he has like 
a unique style. You can look at one of his movies and you know who directed it. He deserves a Best Director Oscar. Yes, absolutely. Um, it was such a great year, though. Yeah. It was such an embarrassment of riches. Yeah, it was an amazing year. Um, it's hard. Like I said, I think in another year, I might have... I, I think in another year... I probably would have been rooting for The Shape of Water. It might have been my favorite of the year. The thing that I thought was really interesting, this is just like super fast, um, and I'll give credit where credit's due, Susanna Paulo, who uh, writes for Polygon, um, did a really interesting write-up that was published. She must have written it, obviously, before the Oscars. It's published like five minutes after the Best Picture was was uh, was announced. But she was saying, like, you know, sort of, like, in defense of, like, why this is the film that should have won this year. Mm -hmm. And she's like, there's a lot of other films that talk about race or gender difference or things like that. Or it's people overcoming adversity. And in most of these movies, there's a significant amount of pain that happens there. And, like, it's not focusing on the beauty of, of like, relationships of people who are different. And Shape of Water is all about people who are different coming together. It is true. It's the most optimistic of It is, yeah. It's it's a really beautiful, like, lovely film. That's true. It is. It's great. Yeah, it is lovely. Yeah, Yeah, it is like I can't even really be mad because I did like it a lot. Yeah, Yeah, me too. I don't think I liked it as much as I liked everything else. I don't even, like, and I've even said this before, but I already own, like, four of the Best Picture nominees, which I can't remember the last time that happened. Probably 1999. Yeah. Um, and I, I will. They're just under I've moved past Blu-rays at this point. Um, part of it is because I live such a small studio. But yeah. so we should wrap up. Um, we're gonna wrap this up. I think next week we're gonna focus more solely on one movie, possibly right. pairing it up with another movie. Sure. That has either of those have yet to be determined. Okay. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening to our first episode and I hope you had as much fun listening as we did recording. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I know that I looked at the thing and I'm like, we're at an hour and it doesn't feel like it. So no, no, no. So that's great. Uh, see you next week. Thanks guys. Have a good night.